I've got nothing to say, but it's okay. Take two. Hold on, please. Are you holding? I'm trying to set the timer on my watch. Can I multitask? Can my watch multitask? I could just edit this and erase this, right? But the principle I like to operate on when I do these things, principle, oh my God, I have principles. My watch keeps changing. All I'm trying to do is set it for an hour. And there we go, mission accomplished. I set it for an hour because what I'm going to do, I've decided, is something that I used to do when I was doing these more regularly is to do an hour-long episode. Why not? I'm only doing these once a year, so why not do an hour, right? Why Or why do it at all? That's the question I keep asking. Do I ever learn anything? I was going to go back and listen to the one that I did a year ago just to see what I talked about, where I started, where I left off, but it doesn't matter, does it? Isn't it all pretty much the same thing? Isn't it? I, I looked at some of the titles of my podcast episodes, the last uh, few uh, annual ones, <laughs> which for one thing, that just is pretty absurd. Just the fact that it's gone from being like when it was weekly at one point, I guess, wasn't it? Was it weekly? Did I ever do it weekly? I think I was doing it weekly for a while, then monthly, then, then whenever, then yearly. Now, now I'm actually amusing myself by the fact that for the la- at least the last couple or few years, I've recorded an episode in January. So I guess that's just what I'm doing now. It's an annual podcast. I have got a recycled joke that I've uh, started doing recently. Actually, I've only done it online. And I haven't done it on stage yet since I recycled it. And the joke is like this, a little something like this. The Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, estimate that at the current rate of infection, by the end of this year, everyone in America will have a podcast. Yes, that joke has been a number of things over the years. Uh, Should I recount those? Doesn't matter. Why do I keep saying that? It doesn't matter. That sounds so negative, so nihilistic. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to use words like nihilistic because I listen to philosophy. Was I doing that the last time I recorded an episode? Was I listening to philosophy as my bedtime story, stories? There's this one guy that I listen to. His name's Steve Smith, I think. Oh my God, I don't even know his name. But he uh, philosophizes, philosophizes me to sleep a lot. He doesn't know it. It's called Philosophize This. And the thing that he does is he researches, unlike me, I don't research at all, and I don't have any notes in front of me. There have been some times when I've done episodes where I have notes in front of me, but I just decided, again, arbitrarily, because isn't isn't most of life arbitrary? I've just decided that uh, I'm not going to have notes this time. I'm doing this in the spirit of Eckhart Tolle, Kyle Cease, among others. Uh, another, Those are a couple more names. A couple more people that I go to sleep with, (laughs) and they don't know it. Uh, But the principle is, let's see, before I go off on that tangent, philosophize this. So whatever the guy's name is, Steve Smith, let's just say it's Steve Smith. He talks about various philosophers throughout the years. He doesn't do it chronologically. He, uh, although I guess when he first started his podcast uh, a number of years ago, he was working his way through chronologically through the history of philosophers going back to the ancient Greeks and Romans, the Stoics, all those folks. And then um, eventually he decided rather than doing it chronologically, he'd do some kind of logical grouping of things and take you through various philosophers jumping back and forth in time. Uh, sometimes I think he records episodes based on requests from listeners because he has supporters. He has a Patreon, (laughs) which I'm not likely to get considering I'm doing an annual episode just talking to myself. 
But I like that guy because he, uh, I, well, I like all this stuff. Here, here's why I like listening to philosophers, to philosophy uh, when I go to bed at night or, um, God, I, I hesitate to even call them self-help guys, but guys like Kyle Cease or Eckhart Tolle. Um, I like just stripping things down, just stripping things down. And the little voice in my head just said, you're repeating yourself. Of course I am. Don't we all? Don't we just repeat ourselves over and over again? The good stuff, the bad stuff. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but here's where I'm at right now. And wherever I'm at right now, aside from in my bathroom, in my boxers, is where I'm at right now. There's your visual. I I was thinking about that as I decided uh, to record my annual podcast today. I thought, well, what am I going to talk about? And that's when I thought about Kyle Cease and Eckhart Tolle. I'm really giving you myself right now. I'm giving you where I'm at right now at this moment. At what time is it? Nine something, 9.19 p.m. on Sunday, January 19th, 2020. I'm giving you myself as genuine as I can be right now without premeditation. Okay, no, I take that back. There was some premeditation, but then I, I tossed it out and I thought, no, I don't want to make any bullet points. I don't want this to be like an act. I don't want this to be planned out. I just want to talk. And I'm doing that. I know I've got the ability to do that, I say, as I remind myself to breathe. So I have been performing um, last year, 2019. I, I guess, I don't know. I didn't count, but I think I performed more than I did the year before. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's, it was more consistent. If nothing else, I, I started building an act, which I wasn't really feeling like I was doing the year before. And even throughout most of 2019, I don't really feel like I, th- I wasn't really going to perform stand-up comedy with the goal of building an, an act. I was just doing it. And I want to continue down that path of being in the moment and connecting with the audience and having fun and, and all that stuff that sometimes I have forgotten to do over the years. I was going to generalize and say a lot of people forget to do that, but I don't know. Uh, I don't want to, let's not generalize. Okay. Let's not. Um, but as for myself, I just know that I had over the years, my phone keeps, uh, why am I, why do I keep doing that? My phone keeps going to the lock screen and I, I, I don't like it going to the lock screen because I'm thinking, what if it stops recording? And I don't know. Plus I can check the levels. I'm recording with a different app. I didn't start with music this time like I had for all the other 30-some-odd episodes. And boy, they've been some-odd episodes, haven't they? This is 37, I believe. I used to record with the Boss Jock app, but now that app does not work anymore on my phone. I I asked somebody, another guy, another comic who's doing a podcast, uh, what app he's using and turns out he's using boss jock and so it's like oh well it doesn't really help me i guess he just hasn't updated his phone in a while because i got a new phone and a new operating system and the old app just doesn't work anymore that's fine because all that that i was really using that app for mainly was my voice but then at the very beginning if you've ever listened to any of my episodes i had uh, i used one feature which was you could play music and you could talk at the same time and the music would duck out a little bit when you talk. And then uh, that was, but that's all I was using it for. I, just that one little part. Uh, the idea with those, with that app and those kinds of apps is that you're kind of, you're a DJ where you can pop music in and out or sound effects or, you know, whistles or whatever the fuck you want to do. Uh, oh, good. I said, fuck. That means I just got my, I earned my explicit tag. Because I always like to tag these with explicit because even if I don't really, I don't tend to, say fuck or motherfucker, every other word, anything like that. But there you go. I just said it again. Uh, I like to tag it with explicit because I don't want to hold back if I do want to say some nasty words. <laughs> so no music this time. What a big loss. Unless I decide to put music at the beginning, but I, I doubt it. I'm not going to. I'm just going to do this raw. Something that I've found out, I listen to Mark Marin a lot, and I know I've talked about that a lot 
over the years that since I started recording this, I look back to see when my first episode was. It was actually in August of 2014. So five, over five years ago, five and a half years ago. So a lot of these people that are just recently jumping on the podcast bandwagon and starting their own, po- own podcasts to make my joke come true that by the end of this year, everyone in America will have a podcast. Some people have started, I don't want to, I'm trying not to be competitive here, but it's see, I, when I look and I see people getting all like, oh, hey, I've got a podcast, listen to my podcast. And it's like, you know, I was doing that five years ago. I was doing that six years ago. Who cares? That's, that's the side of me I've been trying to get rid of forever. I keep trying and I guess I'll just keep trying because it's just like a dog chasing its tail, isn't it? Isn't that what we do collectively? Uh, I was I was thinking maybe I shouldn't generalize because maybe you don't do that, but I know I'm not that unique. There's 7 billion people on the planet. Billions have come before me. We tend to just learn, forget, and relearn. That's just over and over and over again, right? I feel like I'm getting better. I feel like I'm getting wiser, but then I look back at another one of my podcast titles from a couple of years ago, and it said, wiser question mark I mean and then I look back at some journal entries from when I was in my 20s or when I was at USC 19 or 20 years old when I first started writing in a journal which I've been doing more regularly again feels good since uh, 2018 I started writing in a paper journal with a pen again and I'd stopped doing that for a lot of years but uh, what was my point there Oh yeah, sometimes I look back at the things that I wrote when I was in my 20s and it's the same kind of stuff. I'm thinking, oh yeah, I've, I've just realized uh, you got to be in the moment. <laughs> Why am I doing that ridiculous voice? Because that's what I feel like. It's like back then I'm going, well, you've got to be in the moment and be here, be now. So it's not like when I'm saying that now, like I'm discovering something again when I listen to Eckhart Tolle and the list goes on of people just reminding me that to be in the moment and that the moment is all we have. It's, this is nothing new. It's nothing new to humanity. It's nothing new to me even. But it feels different. Or does it? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, now I'm purposely slowing myself down because I realized, oh my God, not only am I, not only am I talking a lot, but I'm not slowing down and pausing enough. That's something I've done on stage as well is to be, I've started recording myself the last several months or year. I don't know exactly when I started doing it again, but I hadn't recorded any audio of myself in a long time. Uh, in fact, since I started going back to doing standup in 2016, give or take, and I hadn't recorded myself because I thought, no, I'm just like, I'm in the moment, man, and it's zen, and I'm just like going to just like make this sand sculpture and then blow it away, right? Just like the Buddhist, man, just like the Buddhist monks. I'm a Buddhist monk comedian, man, so I'm just going to blow that shit away like it never happened, and it's into the ether. It only exists in the memories of myself and the people in the room. And then I realized, you know what? I could record myself. I could... I could be in the moment, right? Sure I can. And I found out that's true. I can be in the moment when I'm on stage and still be recording with my Apple Watch. Which, by the way, is surprisingly not bad audio. Not like something you'd like to broadcast with, but I'm not going to broadcast it. I have uh, taken some of the audio I've recorded with my Apple Watch and made recording, made uh, YouTube videos out of it. I say video with quotes around it because all the video is just a still image. I just uh, upload to YouTube because that's like where I like to put stuff. So again, point being, point being, I've been recording myself. And I just paused intentionally because one of the things I noticed is that I would tend to babble and not pause, which can get a little annoying, a little monotonous. (laughs) And also, the audience needs to have a place to laugh. Another thing I noticed about my voice is uh, that sometimes I was not enunciating. I would mumble. I still do that. 
but I think maybe when I listen back to this podcast episode that I'm doing at this moment, um, hopefully I will find that I am enunciating. Uh, I, one of the things I worried about, though, if I enunciated too much, it w- would sound fake. But let's face it, being on stage is fake to a degree, you know, no matter how much I try to be genuine and you know, be myself and be in the moment, it's, I, it's still premeditated stuff. I'm still giving the illusion of spontaneity. It's not actually, you know, just spontaneous, which is funny because sometimes the audience members don't realize that. If a comedian has done a good job at the illusion of spontaneity, um, audience members will think, oh, wow, man, you just came up with that off the top of your head. It's like, no, I'm just, uh, I'm just good at pretending. That's all. That's all. So stand up. Stand-up comedy, where am I at? Where is my career at? Well, I'll tell you where my act is at, and then I'll tell you uh, why I even have an act at all, because I've just I've decided that finally. I do have an act. I've decided. I have an act. I was in denial. Not, was I in denial when I said I didn't have an act, or I didn't want to perform or get bookings? Was, was I in denial? That's a good question. I don't know if I was in denial or if that's just where my head was at for the last few years. But where am I at? Where is my act at? My act is at here. My act is at 10 minutes, like 10 tight minutes. Here's, here's, I actually got somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes. I haven't been able to do a 20-minute set since I started doing comedy again uh, in the last four years. I mean, back in the day, I topped out at 30 minutes, which still trips me out sometimes because... It was not talking slowly or taking a lot of pauses, actually. I mean, I was pausing for laughter, but I, I have looked back at some recordings of myself from back then, and it was pretty dense, dense in the sense of the amount of material in there. It's not like I was, you know, doing this. I wasn't going like, hello, folks. How are you? I'm fine. For one thing, that's not funny. But also, that's kind of slow. Uh, I think about that sometimes, though. I think, wow, I wonder how much material I could have if I just talk slower. But I'm talking at a pretty much a natural pace. I think this is about the pace that I talk on stage uh, and kind of the kind of energy that I have when I talk on stage. Um, 10 to 20 minutes. So what I've been jokingly saying to myself and to a couple of others, although it's not really jokingly, here's, where I, here's my honest assessment of where my act is right now. It's a tight 10, a solid 15, a squishy 20. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, I, I mean, I know I've done 10. In fact, just recently, uh, I had a gig this year, my first paid gig in, since I started back doing it in 2016-ish. Um, my first paid gig, thanks to... Uh, Melissa Greenberg is I, I was able to do 10 minutes and it was a tight 10 and I had plenty left over. I just started from the beginning and went to the 10 minute mark and that was it. And when I say that, when I say I started from the beginning and went to the 10 minute mark, what I mean is in my head, I have my act laid out from beginning to end, which is roughly 20 minutes. And I just did the first 10. So instead of taking like a best of or bits and pieces. I've just decided that when I do these sets, I'm going to always do things in order. I'm either going to do the first 10 or the middle 10 or the, if I have a five minute set, I'll do, I'll take a five minute slice from somewhere in the middle. And that just helps me to reinforce the connective tissue (laughs) because I'm not exactly doing like story bits. I don't have bits that are long stories, but my act itself is all a story. And what I mean by that is I'll have a joke and then a segue into the next joke, and then another joke. And it gives, it gives the feeling like it's a story because I have to construct a segue, and that segue will either be funny or not. It doesn't matter. It just, it just connects things together so that from beginning to end, it's a story. And mainly the story is just me talking about myself, mainly. That's my voice. That's my current voice. I'm, I'm punching myself. There's this... Uh, argument that goes on between comedians. And I was going to say current modern day argument, but it's pretty much an argument that's been going on forever is, you know, is it okay to punch down or whatever? I just like, you know, whatever. Some people punch down, some punch up, some punch sideways. I punch myself mostly. Uh, Occasionally I'll make fun of other people, but um, 
mainly it's just me talking about myself. It's just kind of what I've decided to do. I'm just, it's like, it's just autobiographical. My stand-up act is autobiography. And the reason I feel it's like not totally selfish is because I'm just another human on the planet. And the, kind of, the reason people can laugh at what I say is because they've experienced it too. So when I'm talking about myself, I'm mainly just talking about people in general. That's my rationalization for being a selfish person. For being a selfish fuck is what I was going to say. But then I didn't want to say fuck again. But I did. Hey, I said fuck again. There you go. I can actually work clean. My act is actually totally clean. Every once in a while I can toss in a fuck here and there. But I try not to rely on it. Um, actually, I'm not really trying not to rely on it. Rely. I'm not trying not. Here's double negatives. It's not so much that I'm trying to be clean. I just am. Well, I guess I am trying. I had to make the choice along the way because I know how to use bad words. I know how to be a potty mouth. I've just made the choice not to be. And like in keeping with Jim Gaffigan comes to mind, uh, Brian Regan, John Mulaney. Oh my God, John Mulaney. I've been, I had rewatched three of his specials. They were spaced two years apart. I think like 2014, 16, 18, something like that. Oh my God. So good. And when I watch guys like that, I think I want to emulate them because he has these stories. Gary Goldman is another one that comes to mind. They have these bits. They can take like one topic that maybe I would make into a 30 second bit and they, they make them like six minutes and they're still getting a laugh every 15 or 20 seconds with it's like, Oh my God. So for a while there, I was trying to do that. I thought, yeah, I'm inspired. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do like those guys. And I'm going to do these story bits. It's just like, I might, I just, it just, I, I found myself forcing it. I don't work that way. My brain doesn't work that way. Could I force myself? Could I, I say force? Could I learn? I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I try it harder, but one of the things I'm trying to do is not try so hard. Uh, that's another one of those philosophical paradoxes I think is that in order to uh, be be good in order to be excellent like totally excellent and to be just a better whatever it is whatever you're trying to do be a better person a better performer a better fill in the blank just a better anything is actually to not try so hard and that doesn't mean I don't know if this is exactly a paradox but it doesn't mean don't try. You got to try, but don't try so hard. It's not so much about pushing because if you're really, really into something, if you really enjoy something, then there's no need to push. At least that's the way I've been thinking lately. Or that's just a rationalization for being lazy. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, but I truly do believe this. It's more about letting things happen. Oh, somebody I was listening to recently on a podcast, um, oh, what was the, what was it? It was about allowing. I can't remember who it was. I love to give the byline. I can't remember who it was, but I was listening to somebody, uh, a performer of some sort, an actor. I think she is is was. Um, God, I wish I could remember. Let's just let's just go with. Uh, I have the intention of giving a byline, but I can't. It's but it was the idea of allowing, allowing things to happen. So it's not even so much that trying or pushing. It's just it's just kind of getting out of the way and allowing things to happen. So that's what I've been doing to the best of my ability, Your Honor. <laughs> so where is my act? So I've told you my act time-wise, 10, 15, 20 minutes, depending on if you want tight, solid, or squishy. <laughs> what do I mean by the squishy? It means that when I time myself in my in the privacy of my own home, and I try to be honest about the pacing and everything and not looking at any notes, just just doing my act as if I were in front of an audience, uh, I'm doing usually around 18 minutes. 18 minutes, pretty consistently, which tells me that my act is around 18 minutes, right? So when I say I've got a squishy 20, uh, I, what I mean is if I really wanted to expand just a couple of more tags in the middle, just a couple of beats here and there, maybe a little riffing with the audience, just a little, just a little bit. I mean, another two minutes, I could do that. It'd be kind of squishy though. Wouldn't be all the planned stuff. But when I say I got 18 minutes, I mean, that's like without 
improvising at all. That's just like tag to set up punch, tag, 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 tag. It's just it's typical comedy format. It's my material. I've got 18, right, about pretty consistently around 18 minutes of material. So that's where I'm at time-wise. Uh, and I know that it's consistent material because I've done, even though I haven't been able to stretch out uh, and do the entire 18 at one time, I've tested all that material multiple times. I've done it in three and five minute sets, mostly at, at open mics. So that's where I'm at. But here's the thing that I, where I wasn't at a year ago is a year ago I was saying, no, I'm not really building an act. I'm not building an act. I'm just doing my material and week to week I would just have a random set of the stuff that I'd done before, a combination of new stuff and uh, previous keepers and just every week was just a little bit different, right? And then at some point along the way, I realized, you know what? I do want to have an act. And I've even got the, I used an old memory technique where you have visualized things. And I'm surprised I hadn't used this in my stand-up because I learned this in college from a roommate of mine is that when you, it's just a simple memory technique of you make a list. Like here's an example. You want to have a grocery list and you rather than just saying, oh, oranges, apples, bananas, meat, <laughs> you know, just meat. I'm going to buy meat. I don't care what kind of meat it is. I'm just going to buy meat. <laughs> so you put that on your grocery list. You just put meat. But in order, instead of just saying uh, oranges, apples, bananas, meat, you make a picture, a uh, story out of that, right? So let's, let's say uh, oranges. So I picture, so I, at least at some point I have to picture something I just picture a big old orange. I picture an orange with a face on it just to make it make it as ridiculous as possible. There's something that you can remember. So there's a big old orange with a face on it, like from some the commercial that I can't remember right now. An orange juice commercial, maybe. So there's this big old orange with a face on it. And then what was the next thing? Apples? Okay, so then the orange goes and reaches up and picks and plucks an apple from the tree. And then... And then, then what happens? Then it, then it eats the apple and it poops out a banana. So, right? So now you got me. You got the big old orange with the face on it. It plucks the apple and then it eats the banana, poops out the banana. And then what happens to that banana? That banana uh, grows legs and becomes a pig. Okay. So that's more specific than meat. But let's just say that the, that thing is representing meat. Okay. So now we've got orange, apple, banana, meat. Okay. Now, see, now that those four things... You could easily have just remembered. You could have gone to the store going orange, apple, banana, meat, or you could have written it down, right? But here's an example of something that actually the first thing that my college roommate told me when he taught me this technique, and I still remember that list, the list of things he told me to this day. It was bird, shoe, triangle, tree, coins, cocaine, cowboy, skateboard. And I remember that because... He taught me the technique and he just kept asking me randomly, okay, now say another object. So I'd say another object. And every time I said another object, we'd add it to the list until we had that list of things. And here it is, what, 30, 40 years later, and I still remember that list. So what's the point? The point is I finally took that memory technique. And oh, by the way, if you've never used that memory technique, try it sometimes. It's kind of fun. And also what I like to do... Uh, the reason I like to use that technique for a grocery list sometime, maybe a list of 10, because that four things is easy. But let's say it gets up to a list of 10 or 12 things, more challenging to remember by repeating over and over again, like you know, whatever those 12 things are. Uh, the reason I like to use that technique instead of writing it down in a notepad or, or in my Ralph's app uh, is because it's exercising my brain. So I'm thinking, look, any chance I can get to actually use my brain and not have it deteriorate because I'm just using my phone and my computer and not using my brain. Any chance I can get to like maybe not use the calculator and multiply in my head, I'll do that. All right, maybe not any chance, but some chances. So that technique. I had never applied that to my stand-up act though. I just did the typical uh, bullet point thing and there's nothing wrong with that. Just having bullet points to go, okay, here's my, you know, I got my my squishy 20 and I got, you know, whatever those, whatever those items are in my act that worked fine for a lot of years. But now I thought, you know what? I can make it even more solid in my head if I have a picture story and I'm not going to go over all of it with you. Um, 
but I just, I have the pictures in my head now and it's telling a story. So in my head, I know it, it's, it's, it's all, well, here's another useful thing about this technique is that it's easier to jump in at any point in the story because I can go, oh yeah, I've got the picture of when I played football. So now in, at that point in the story, I can picture the football and then I know what happens after the football or before the football because it's a visual story as opposed to just bullet points because it's, it's, I don't know about you, but it's harder for me to rewind uh, if it's just bullet points. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. So where where am I going with this? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But does it? It does it. Does it matter? <laughs> it does matter. I guess the whole point is, is that I've, I've found a new way to remember my act. And I found that important as well, because I also think uh, it's important for me to have that act memorized in that way and to run over that act the I'm running my 18 minutes or whatever it's going to grow to be I'm running I'm working on my hour which again I was saying that jokingly I was saying yeah I'm working on my hour you know like j- just jokingly to myself but you know what I am I'm working on my hour am I trying to get a Netflix Netflix special no that's not where I'm going with this let's that's where I'm not I don't, I've been guarding. Oh my God, I'm stammering and I'm becoming defensive against myself, with myself. But I just don't want to get into that mode again where the trajectory, where the trajectory of my, and I'm pointing way up in the sky right now with my hand, which is dangerous because it almost looks like a Nazi salute. But (laughs) that's okay because I'm by myself. Why did I have to tell you that? Let's not bring Nazis into this, shall we? Okay. But I have this ambition thing that kicks in and I don't want to be ambitious. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. That is a conscious choice. I just, I don't want to do that anymore. It's like addiction. It's an addiction. Just like quitting drinking, which by the way, I haven't had a drink in four years. I'm not counting the exact day. I just know it was early 2016, probably January, maybe February, but I, it's just, I know it was four years ago. And that was a conscious choice to quit. And and I may have told that story. In fact, I'm sure I have. I'm not going to tell it again. But it's basically, it was because of something that my daughter said. She said, Dad, stop it. No, that wasn't it. It was actually a more touching story. But, oh, sure, I'll tell it. Let me tell it. I'm going to tell it again. Because this may be the only episode you've ever listened to. And if you've made it this far... I'd be very surprised. I know I have a couple of people who say they like listening to me. uh, And God bless you. God bless all of both of you, three and a half of you. Um, So here's the story. My daughter was studying abroad. This was 2016. She was a junior in college and she was studying abroad in France. And being a concerned father, because I love my daughter, and this is what you do when you have children, is I was worried about my daughter. Of course, because she's in a foreign country. She's thousands of miles away from home. And also, uh, like a week or two before, there had been a a terrorist attack there in Paris. It was a nightclub that was bombed. And and I was just, I was, it was just, it had me on edge. My daughter kind of talked me down off of that ledge when she reminded me, you know, with all the shootings, the mass shootings and at schools here in America, that she's probably just as safe, if not safer, in France as here in America. So there's that (laughs) kind of a, Hey, good news, bad news story. Right. But so anyway, I got to the point where I'm going, okay, you're right. I mean, bad things happen everywhere in the world and and you're not going to be safe no matter where you go. But uh, I was still worried about her. So then she called me to talk to me. (laughs) Of course, because that's what you do when you call people. She called to talk to me uh, from France and at some point she started crying and I went, Oh honey, why are you crying? And she said, dad, I'm worried about your drinking. So at the time I apparently was drunk. Not apparently I was, I was drunk. And I, you know, at that point I'd gotten to to where I was drinking like five gallon boxes of wine and bottles of flavored liquor every day. I don't think I would drink a five gallon box of wine every day, but I'd gotten to the point where I was drinking wine out of a box. And hey, if you're one of those people listening who drinks wine out of a box, I'm not passing judgment on you. I'm just saying, hmm, 
it's kind of low. Okay, so I am passing judgment. It's you're kind of sinking kind of low when you're guzzling wine out of a box day after day. So, but let me the, get back to the part of that's why I quit. So, why I quit was it just kind of it hit me. I went, oh my god, here's my daughter, thousands of miles away from home. I'm worried about her, and. Her worry, I don't know if it was her biggest worry, but I got that feeling at the time like, oh my God, her her worry was about me. So I quit. That was it. I quit drinking. So that was a choice, just like drinking is a choice. And I know, see, look, I don't do the 12-step program because for whatever reason, I don't take credit for this so much as I don't know if it's genetic or whatever the deal is. I didn't need it. But I, I get it. I appreciate it. I understand why people do need it. And maybe I've also don't need it because I've kind of just by osmosis, I've applied some of the principles. Like, you know, it is a one day at a time thing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so cocky to say that, oh, I've conquered this because no, it's every moment of the day. I'm only one elbow bend away from drinking again. I've been in bars where I'm right there, right by some alcohol. I have watched people's drinks for them. The drink is sitting there right on my table. Hey, Joe, could you watch this? Yeah, sure. <laughs> right there. There's. I have been the person who passes. Hey, Joe, could you pass this beer down to that guy? Yeah, fine. I'm like that close to alcohol. I could tip my elbow and be drinking again. So I haven't conquered it. I understand that. So even though I haven't done this 12-step program, I probably hit a handful of the steps on my own, right? Oh, God, where was I going with this? There was a connection. Oh, yeah, the connection to comedy. (laughs) So comedy or anything can be healthy or not. And some people are really into it, and I was into it, into it like to the point where it became consuming, and I just don't want to do that anymore. Same thing with acting. I mean, I enjoy acting. I like it. I enjoy it in small doses. Same thing with comedy. I'm enjoying it in small doses. There's sometimes where I go days without thinking about it, you know. I, sometimes I'll go. I, I'm try, at least I'm a trying. To, I'm trying not to go days without thinking about it anymore. But I'll at least go days without performing, or days without running my act. But at least on a weekly basis, though, I'm making sure that I'm at least going over my act in my head or doing it out loud to a timer just to make sure at, le- at least when I'm called upon to perform, I've got the act in my head, and I'm. I've been performing every week, pretty much. Little, little a break in the action for the holidays, but that's beside the point. The point is I've been going out every week, performing, enjoying it, and that's it. And I'm, I'm going to be pushing a little bit more. Oh, no, not pushing. Planting some seeds uh, to get some gigs, but here's the thing I'm guarding against. I know I have this addictive personality and this tendency to go like from zero to f- you know, <laughs> just uh, just like like it's all or nothing. I, I'm not doing that. What I'm doing now is I, that it's like it's not ambition. It's not because ambition is an external thing. I'm not driving for uh, fame and fortune. I I just not. I'm I'm I want I want to stay healthy. <laughs> I want to stay healthy mentally. And I, I know that there are some rare birds who can do that who can be driven and be ambitious and also maybe maybe also be healthy but i i just don't think i have that capacity so i'm doing it for fun and kind of just opening the valve a little bit to go yeah you know it's okay it's okay i can get a i can get some gigs cuz nobody nobody's voluntarily booking me nobody's reaching out to book me which is fine you know that's the way it is i understand i don't know if it's just because it's so competitive these days or if it's because I'm, you know, because I'm older and they just don't want to have an old guy on their, on their show or, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, what the reason is. I'm mentioning it now because I have thought about it off and on over the last few years because I still do find it odd that people don't reach out to at least throw me on their shows. But, but then I go, well, you know, whatever, whatever, try not to try not to focus on that. Cause here's the deal. It just, it is what it is. I don't, it, it, it's something I'm going to continue to work on every day is to be not, not to be focused on that because not to be sour grapes or envy. Uh, one of my episodes I, that I did not re-listen to, but one of my annual episodes from a year or two ago 
was how envy is stupid. So apparently I'm, I've still been, I've been grappling with that. But let me, let me put a button on that thing, the thing about people not reaching out to me. The reason I think it's odd is because every time I've gone back to do stand-up, the, the few times I've entered back into stand-up over the last 30 years because I'll go back in and then I'll leave and then I'll, you know, okay, I've done that over the years. And every time I've gone back, even when I was going to Hollywood back in the 2000s, from 2004 to 2007 thereabouts, and somewhere in the mid-2000s, I was hanging out in Hollywood for a, for a few or several months and I was getting bookings at the Hollywood Improv not asking for them, not pursuing them. Producers coming up to me, just a couple, but that's but but a couple is a couple more than has happened here in San Diego. So it was weird to me that in the 2000s I had people at the Improv and these are people I performed with Andy Samberg is the name I'll drop. He was just on the verge of going to do SNL and I was on a show with him. And and now I'm not worthy of performing in San Diego. That's just weird to me. But whatever. Okay. See, I've, I obviously haven't totally let it go. But I'm going to continue working through it. Like, I'm working through it now. As we speak. As I speak. Because there's three ways to get gigs. Either you can do the 100% effort yourself and make a show. And then book yourself. Or you can pursue getting bookings from other people, let it be known, hey, I'm ready for bookings. Or number three is that people will reach out to you on occasion just to say, hey, man, would you like to do my show? It's just weird to me that that's happening like zero times. Okay, so now let's get back to but number one, the number one category where you make your own opportunity and produce your own show and book yourself. I'm just not, I don't have the energy for that. I don't care enough to do that, right? I almost did that for my 60th birthday. I, I was lining something up with, uh, with the comedy store in La Jolla. And uh, the counter offer was, well, rather instead of you producing the show and booking the comics, we'll give you a spot in February, somewhere around your birthday. So I went, okay, fine. <laughs> That's a perfect. Thank you very much. I will take it. It would be nice to perform on that stage again for more than three minutes. I will take it. And it's not like it was a big step backwards because... Uh, even though for a while there I was starting to get excited about producing my own show and maybe booking a couple of headliners that I know. I thought, no, that's fine. Good. No, I don't have to do the work. I'll just show up and do a spot. Perfect. Um, so getting, but the second <laughs> I get, I get excited. I am excited. I should be excited. See, it's okay to be excited. I just don't want to be swept away by it and become ambitious and lose sleep over it and all those things that I've done in the past. I'm just, I don't want to do that again. I also don't want to burn out to the point like I've done every other time where I start getting so gung-ho and so ambitious that then when things aren't happening the way that I want them to happen, then I stop. I'm feeling now as I get closer and closer to the finish line of life because I'm almost 60. I'm going to be 60 next month, right? I don't know how much time I have left. It's, and it's not to be morbid. I don't want to be morbid. It's more the thing of just realizing that time is precious. Time is weird, for one thing, because I don't feel like I'm almost 60. Part of my, one, of, <laughs> one thing I say in my act, I hesitate to do my material too much on my podcast or to other people, but let's just do it. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm 60. I still feel like a kid, except when I'm shaving my ears. There, that's a little part of my act. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it's true. I don't feel like a kid. I, don't, I do feel like a kid. I don't feel 60. I obviously am, though. I'm not in total denial. I understand. I'm getting up there in years. So here's what I envision in my 60s. And not to plan so much or premeditate, but a little bit, at least to point in this direction, is just to keep doing something. You know, keep doing this to have an act, to keep building an act. And unlike last year, where until the very end, towards the end of last year, the reason I got a booking in January is because I did make it known that I am interested. And I had one, I had gone to see uh, Mark Fernandez perform at a show that was being booked by Melissa Greenberg. And these are both people from the comedy store in La Jolla way back in the day, in the 80s and 90s. And Mark just suggested, hey, man, you know, Melissa books these shows and she's got this Inland Empire group on Facebook and maybe, you know, why don't you guys, uh, maybe she could book you sometime. You know, he, he's the one who planted the seed. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, I am ready for that. I do have an act 
And I've been, I'd been working before that. I'd, I had been actually putting my material in the form of an act, and I'd started, stopped being so random. So it was that thing about when the student is ready, the teacher will come. It's like, yeah, when preparation meets opportunity, that's luck, right? When preparation meets opportunity, yeah. So that's where I was at. So I thought, yeah, sure. I stopped being reluctant and I thought, yes, I'm going to get bookings. I'm not going to pursue it. I'm not going to quit my day job. I, I can get bookings. I can get a booking a month or a booking every couple of months. I don't even have a quantity set out. I don't have a plan or a goal. I just, yeah, I can get bookings. So Melissa booked me and she said she's got me on her slate to book me again. So somewhere down the road this year, I'm assuming I'll get one or two more bookings from Melissa. So with that seed planted, uh, I'm going to start reaching out to some other people that I know because I know people. I've been around for a while and I'm not going to, uh, I don't feel like I'm, I don't want to feel like I'm using people, but there's, but it's not using people when people are in the business. It's just a matter of to say, Hey, hi, how are you doing? And be as genuine as, as, as I can. And here, here's, here's the pitch. I'm ready. I have an act. Here's a link to my, here's the link to my demo. Check it out. Not looking to get a Netflix special. Just like to get a booking here and there. Thank you very much. Thanks for your consideration. And that's basically it. So there's that. So that's where I'm at in stand-up. And where am I at this podcast? 46 minutes and 26 seconds and counting. So, breathing. (laughs) I do breathe. Uh, You might not have uh, believed that listening to the last uh, 10, 15, or 20 minutes. I was breathing off and on, wasn't I? I guess I do have to breathe just to be able to get some more words out. Otherwise, I'd be gasping. How about something that's not as not as specific as comedy, philosophy? I mentioned philosophy early on. What I really find interesting and important, important is to keep philosophy at the top of my mind. Just the smorgasbord, the Stoics are uh, have become, uh, is influence the right word? Uh, yeah, an influence. And if you don't know about the Stoics, you could look them up. But in a nutshell, it's not just about the word Stoic because a lot of times, I mean, the modern usage of the word Stoic is that somebody has no emotions. When you say, hey, this guy's really Stoic, it usually means that they're just somebody who's dispassionate and shows no emotion. Um, But that's not what I'm getting out of it. The main thrust of Stoicism for me anyway is to focus on what you can control and Again, I think that might even be one of the 12 steps, isn't it? The thing about God grant me the serenity, that whole thing. I don't even know this. I don't, I don't know the poem. If, if you know the poem, uh, it's, it's in there. So it's something about, and the, and the power to know the difference. Like uh, something about, something about grant me the, uh, the wisdom and the wisdom to know the difference, right? The something, something about, uh, uh, you know, the things to accept the things that you can't change to uh, the power to do something about the things uh, that you can change and the wisdom to know the difference. Somewhere in there, there's that poem. Um, so that's stoicism in a nutshell. Focus on the things you can control. And that's a pretty simple thing, right? At least it's a pretty simple thing. Ah. <sighs> when you think about it. But here's the thing about thoughts. One thing that has been really drilled home in my, in my brain by myself, uh, to myself, is something that I mainly got from Eckhart Tolle. He's not the first one to say this, and he's not the first one I've heard it from, but it's, it's, the, it's that I am not my thoughts. And I know I've heard things like this from Alan Watts or maybe even going back to the Stoics that the thing about thoughts is that is not me. 
It is a part of me. Thoughts are things that emerge from within my brain, but they do not define me. Just because I think something, that doesn't mean I believe it. When I'm just stream of consciousness, just thinking and thoughts pop into my mind, good, bad thoughts just pop into my mind, it doesn't mean that that's me. It doesn't define me. And I've, I've gotten to the point where it's not that the chatter necessarily goes away, but there's a separation. And it's really hard to, to describe, but it feels, here's the best way to describe it. It's like kind of like holding a thought in my hand, like I can look at the thought. Or people have used the metaphor of it's like clouds passing by. And it just feels really good when I can get to that point where I can go, oh yeah, that's just a thought. I don't have to identify with this thought. I don't have to be that thought. It's just a thought, you know? And I can do something with it. I can hold on to it for a while. I can decide to put it in my little box of beliefs or I can just go, eh, never mind, and toss it. It doesn't have to be something that I'm attached to. Meditation has helped because that's something I've been doing more consistently for the last couple of years. I use the Calm app. And, oh, hey, I should get Calm as my sponsor because I use the Calm app and I have a lifetime uh, subscription now because they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. <laughs> it was basically since I'd been using it steadily for a couple of years anyway and the lifetime membership was basically like the cost of like the the offer that they made, the sale that they had was like going to be the cost of another year and a half or two or something like that. I thought, yeah, might, might as well. And this, the only way I'm going to lose is if they go out of business. And since they're a very popular app and I hear a lot of people talking about them. In fact, the uh, last few days I've been listening to LeBron James uh, on the Calm app. So, hey, they're in, in bed with uh, they're in bed with LeBron. So, and he and he uses the app. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, I'm meditating. And that also is not something that's new to me or new to the world, but it's something that I decided to be more consistent about. And last year, I was so consistent. The year before, I, I missed, I, I went some spotty. There was a lot of spottiness in 2018. But in 2019, I think I only missed five or six days in the entire year. And it, it's made a difference. I feel calm. <laughs> Calmer. Those instances where I fly off the handle at traffic or just anything, any little fucking thing. Because it's usually little things, isn't it? When you look back in retrospect that if you have a bad temper, the things that get you angry, aren't they usually just little things that you could have gone, oh man, I could have just let that go by. I, I really have gotten to the point where I am able to put a cap on it to when, when anger starts arising because there's a connection between uh, thought and emotion where it's a feedback loop, right? You have an emotion that starts rising up like anger, for example, in traffic, anger rises up. That right because there's somebody cuts you off, and so the the initial lizard, the lizard brain reaction, the survival thing just kicks in, and that's a reflex, and that's something that you really can't do anything about because it's a reflex. It's like if somebody, you know, hits you in the the knee and that that right the correct spot, your knee your knee's going to kick up. So the initial emotion. Let's see if I can do this. See if I can do this logically instead of going off on twenty tangents. The initial emotion, the topic is emotion, thought, feedback loop. The initial emotion, anger. Somebody cuts you off, anger. Boom, knee-jerk reaction. Nothing you could do about that. But here's where you can do something. Here's where I've found I am able to do something for the most part is then the thought arises like, that asshole, right? Okay, maybe even that. Maybe even that's reflexive. Maybe that's something you can't do anything about either because the thought pops up, that asshole. But now, if I can separate from that thought and go, oh, wait a second, wait a second, time out. <laughs> that asshole, that's just a thought. I don't know this person. I don't know what, it's not that they had some malicious intent. They weren't trying to ruin my day or kill me as far as I know. It's just something that happened. Let it go. Boom, diffused, it's gone, right? Ideal situation. Here's what can happen though and what has happened to me and probably to you and to most human beings on the planet is the feedback loop. Emotion. Guy cuts you off. Emotion. Anger. What do you, what do, you do? You go, oh, oh, fucking asshole. And then the emotion 
gets kicked up higher because you latch onto that thought instead of letting it go. You latch onto the thought and then the, the anger gets higher and then, which leads to more thoughts like, God, oh, a fucking piece of shit. And then you start flipping the guy off and chasing after him. And then the emotion gets higher than the thought gets higher. And the next thing you know, you got veins popping out of your neck and it's just because somebody cut you off. Now, it's not to totally invalidate everything. It's not to say that there aren't times when you can get angry or have emotions because I don't want to be like the, the way people think of Stoics where it's like to say you have no emotion. No, I want to have emotion. I want to have, if, if you can't tell while I'm talking, there's times during this where I, I have joy. I have excitement. I, I, I like to have emotions. So I'm not totally shutting off my emotions. What I'm saying is to try to be more in control of that loop, that, that nasty, unhealthy feedback loop that happens between thoughts and emotions where you can just like, just, just like Tasmanian devil. <laughs> it's exactly like that. So I think meditation has been helping. Sure. I, I'm pretty sure it's healthier than a, a box of wine. That's, that's the, probably been journaling too. I'm looking over at my desk. I've been sitting here in the bathroom. I've been looking in the mirror in the bathroom standing. Now I'm standing again. And then I was sitting on the edge of the of the bathtub, if you want to have a scene set here. This is my professional environment. I actually do have a, a room in the house set up as a recording studio, but I just decided, you know what? I'm going to slap this uh, Motiv, M-O-T-I-V. I'm doing plugs here for people who aren't sponsors. Uh, M-O-T-I-V, this uh, Motive app and my Shure. Is it Shure? <laughs> I think so. Oh, my God. I'm looking at it. Yeah. It's a it's a good mic. I got a good mic hooked up to my iPhone. It's a it's got a it's a good microphone, and I purposely I got it so I could do stuff like this. Uh, but here's my point. I just decided I didn't feel like going into the studio and hooking up and sitting at a table. I'm just uh, more walking around holding the microphone in my hand the whole time. So I guess it's kind of more like I'm on stage because I'm I'm holding my phone with the microphone attached to it. So more of the way I feel comfortable. I'm in my, I'm in my, uh, natural environment kind of because holding a microphone, I know some standups do that thing where they have the, the little microphone, uh, like going over the ear and coming down to the, uh, around their cheek, uh, and their, their, both of their hands are free. That's just, that's just not natural to me. I stand up needs a microphone. Damn it. In your hand, you gotta be holding that microphone. Okay, maybe one day I won't be doing that. Maybe one day the microphone will be implanted in my tongue <laughs> and I won't have to hold it. But for the time being, that's not the way it is. So I'm walking over here to my desk now because that's another thing I've been doing more regularly over the last couple of years is journaling. And I'm not doing the daily journaling like the daily Stoic advises or like the Stoics back in the day advised. Uh, but I'm just, I'm journaling a lot. And that feels good too. I, so I don't know which combination of things are making me feel better, but I just do. I feel better. At least I think I do. I, I, there's this relativity thing where I said earlier, I don't know when I look back at my journal at my 20 something year old self and I go, I'm feeling great now. And I'm going, but are you really? <laughs> and I don't know how to compare that because right now at 59 years old, I, I, I'm feeling the way that I feel is I've never felt this good. That's the way I feel. I feel like I've never felt this good this consistently. I've never felt this good for this long and been as, uh, I hesitate to use the word wise, but um, I'm just, I feel good. Yeah, not wise. What, what's word? relaxed, more in control of my thoughts, realizing more things about me not being my thoughts, have I conquered life? No, because it's also, I also realize how little I know. That's one thing about studying philosophy and maybe studying isn't the right word, but kind of because I've been listening to a lot of philosophy and reading philosophy, reading snippets of things on the internet and in books and listening to philosophers and philosophy is that, is that every day, every moment we decide who we are. And it seems like a weird thought, but it's true. You know, sometimes you can go, wait a second. There's nothing that's making me continue the narrative that I've created for myself. There's nothing that's making me hold on to 
whatever it is that I've told myself that I am, that I am uh, a comedian or I'm not a comedian or I'm a, whatever it is. It, the, the list goes on. I just, I just say comedy because it's like fresh on my mind. There's nothing that, that makes you, that you have to continue doing the job you're doing. At any moment, you can change your life. You can quit your job. You can change your mind. You can change your mind at any moment. And I'm seeing that I'm getting right at an hour. Do I have to stop right at an hour? I said I would do an hour, but I was thinking like I'll do at least an hour. You know what though? I think I'm going to stop at an hour and see you again next year.